Well, good morning. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, let's give Him praise. He's been better to you than that. He's been good. He's been faithful. I would love to do something just while you're standing, if we can. And uh, I just want to pray and uh, just commit these uh, next few moments to Him. How many came to encounter Him this morning? I don't know about you, but I feel like we're in a day and age where I can't afford to leave church the same way I came in. Because I don't have the time and neither do you. So let's make a decision this morning. I'm leaving different. I'm leaving different. Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your presence. I thank you that you have always been here. It's not that you showed up when we started to worship. It's that when we worshiped, we became more mindful of you than anything else around us. And Lord, we commit these next few moments to you. God, I pray that you would come and minister to each and every one of us in a way that is so personal. You know what every person needs. You know what every person is facing. You know what every person is called to. And God, I pray that you would do something in our hearts today that transforms us, that that molds us, that shapes us so that we can leave today more like you, Jesus. So that when people look at us, that they would know that we've been with you. I pray, Lord, that you would do something that's so much deeper than than a message, than a sermon, than thoughts, than points, that you would do something that's supernatural, that transforms us. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for you. In your mighty, mighty name, amen. Why don't you grab a seat, look at someone. Look at someone beside you, smile at them like you are excited that you've been seated next to them or near them. If you are not excited about it, just lie and pretend like you are. Um, I wanna uh, just say how honored I am to be here. Um, I love your pastors so much and uh, Pastor TJ and Chris, you guys are awesome. We love you and so grateful for you. So appreciate you. Come on, can you give it up for your pastors? I've learned um, now, I've been full-time ministry now 18 years. And uh, along this, uh, this journey, I've learned now, I feel like more than ever before, I value people that are just the real deal. Um, and uh, your pastors are the real deal. Um, and I love who they are and what they stand for and how much they love you and the way in which they lead is just such an inspiration. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not originally from here. I know I sound like I'm local, but I'm not. Um, And so I uh, am originally from Australia and I uh, migrated to Orange County almost 10 years ago, nine years ago now. um, And I brought my uh, accent with me. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will interpret for you and you'll be able to understand every word I'm saying. Um, I brought a, a little photo, a couple photos of my um, family. I have two kids. I have a six-year-old son whose name is Luca. I have a four-year-old daughter whose name is Leo. 
And uh, so the three of us are rocking it together. They keep me on my toes. Um, and so they are, they are awesome, beautiful kids. And I'm so, so blessed um, for what God has done, um, the way God has guided and directed us. Have you brought your Bible with you this morning? Three people brought their Bible. That's encouraging. Who brought their Bible? Wave at me, make noise. If it's on your phone, do something. Let's open up our Bibles. There we go. Let's, let's go to John chapter 17 and verse 21. And uh, I'm going to sort of just share a little bit this morning. And uh, we'll see where, uh, see where the Holy Spirit leads us. John 17 and verse 21. I just want to read a um, couple of these verses, 21, 22, and, and, and maybe 23. And then we'll jump into this. <clears throat> this is Jesus praying. And, and Jesus is praying in this moment. He's praying for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. And it's, it's actually powerful verses because when we consider the fact that Jesus has this opportunity to ask the Father for some things for us, then I want to know what, is, what does he place the most value in? What is it that Jesus, we know that he's always interceding for us, I sort of want to know, what is he praying? Is he praying that I would be blessed? Is he praying that I would be protected? Is he praying that there would be healing in my life? Is he praying for breakthroughs? Is he praying for miracles in my life? What's he praying? Well, we have the answer right here in Scripture. And I want to read this. He says that they will be, that they all may be one as you, Father, in me and I am in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. We, I'm so captivated by the concepts of the way in which God works. When we understand that Scripture tells us that His ways are not my ways. And I'm so mindful of the gap between the way in which I do things and the way in which God does things. And so I'm captivated by this idea that his ways are not my ways. And so I'm drawn to this idea that I wanna learn more about his ways than I do wanna hold on to my ways. And the more in which I walk through this Christian life, the more I catch myself seeking my ways and asking God to bless my ways rather than submitting my life to his ways. And I don't know about you, but I've learned the hard way almost every day that my way sucks and his way is better. And I'll have these moments where I have encounters with God and it's in the presence of God that I'm reminded that his way is better and then I surrender my ways, but then only to find myself the next day, I wake up the next morning and then I pick up my ways again. And I start seeking things that sometimes I actually think are contrary to his kingdom. And I catch myself building Ben's world and not his. 
And so I'm captivated by this idea that there's this vast gap between the way in which I do things and the way in which he does things. And this verse that we just read, this prayer, this incredible insight that we have into really what God values the most for my life. This, this, this prayer, in fact, when I read it, in fact, it highlights again to me how different my ways are from His ways. Because I don't know about you, but my prayers for my life don't sound like what Jesus prayed for my life. Do you want me to read it again? And tell me if your prayer for your life sounds like this. Jesus prayed that they may be one, that they may be one the same way you, Father, are in me and that I'm in you. It's almost like this anticlimactic moment, isn't it? Because you think about, okay, what is Jesus praying for me? And I get excited to think, well, maybe he's praying that I would have favor. Maybe he's praying that I would be blessed. Maybe he's praying that everywhere I go and all of these things, yes, a kingdom concept, but they're not in this prayer and that really annoys me. Because these are the things that I'm praying for my life. And it's not that they're not kingdom concepts, but it is that according to the way in which God works, it seems that these are not his focus. And so I'm challenged with this thought that maybe the focus of my prayer life is different to his focus for my prayer life. And I think that's something worth us talking about because I think it's really important for us as the people of God to know, and this is my sermon title, to, to really know what's the point of prayer? Have you ever asked yourself that before? Prayer is such a powerful concept and such a powerful idea. We know it to be, of course, conversation with God and we talk so much about it but I recently asked myself this very real, very raw, challenging question. What's the point of prayer? And so I began to study and I began to look at all of the times in which Jesus prayed. And, and, and as I began to look at all of the times in which Jesus actually asked God for things and when Jesus actually talked to God and, and I began to mirror that with my life and, and the way in which I pray and, and, and the conversations that I have with God. And again, I was faced with this challenging reality that there's a vast gap between the way in which I pray and the way in which He pray. As I look at Jesus' life, and everything that he did and everything that he accomplished, understand that the purpose of Jesus' life was not to just come and show us who God is and what God can do, but the purpose of Jesus' life was to actually show us what we can actually do if we believe and trust him. 
And everywhere that Jesus went, when you look at his life, and we know this, everywhere he went, things just seemed to happen, didn't they? Like things just sort of happened around him. You sort of look at it and everything from showing up to a wedding and turning water into wine, he gets this opportunity in front of him and, and he sort of says, look, I'm not ready to do this. And his mum says, look, I want you to do it. And look, sometimes you just gotta shut up and do what mum says. And so Jesus says, okay, he says, look, bring the, bring the, bring the water over here. And he, and he brings the water over there and then he just sort of pours it out and then the water just becomes wine and it just sort of happens. And, and, and then he sort of just rolls up and there's a group of people and there's a guy and, he's, and Jesus is there preaching and the house is full of people and these crazy guys lower this dude through a roof and Jesus sort of sees him. He's like, wow, you guys are crazy. That's cool faith. Hey, and he just sort of says to this guy, just get up and pick up your mat. And the guy just picks up his mat. And, and then there's this other time when there's this demon-possessed man who's doing all of this crazy stuff and he runs up to Jesus and he's going crazy and it just says that Jesus touches him and then all of a sudden the guy is better. And then there's this other story where Jesus is not even thinking about doing a miracle and he's just sort of walking along and this woman grabs, grabs the bottom of his garment and she gets healed. And I read all of these stories and, and I was sort of a little bit frustrated as I read because really to me, it looked like everything that Jesus did came to him so easily. I never ever once, and you can go and look at this yourself, every single miracle that Jesus did and hear me when I say this, because this is gonna challenge your theology a little bit, but it's in scripture. Every miracle he did, I never once saw him pray and ask God for it. Isn't that a bizarre thought? You think, hang on, can that be true? You go read it. All the way down, but you say, Ben, what about when Lazarus was raised from the dead? Because when he showed up to the tomb, it said, Jesus prayed. But look at what he prayed. He showed up to the tomb of Lazarus and he prayed and he stood, this, stood there. And yes, he prayed, but he did not ask God to raise Lazarus from the dead. He stood before the tomb and he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. I just said this for the benefit of those that are around me so that they would know that you sent me. Amen. Then he just says, oh, by the way, Lazarus, get up, let's go. And Lazarus just pops up. And so I'm so frustrated because I look at my life and I think, well, why is it so easy for you? Because I don't know about you, you might be much more spiritual than me and please pray for me after because I need help. But I don't find things happening in my life that easily. Do you know what I find myself doing? Did Jesus please do it in Jesus' name? Please bless me and please cover my kids and please pour out upon my life and please save people and please do this and please do that. And then when I read this prayer that Jesus prays for me, Jesus prays 
And he does not pray that I would be blessed. He doesn't pray that I would be healed. He doesn't pray that my life would be influential and change people. Jesus is so insensitive. He doesn't even pray for my lost friends. Do you know what Jesus prays in this prayer? And this is the answer to the question that we're asking, what's the point of prayer? And I wanna jump straight to it. You know what Jesus prays? He says that I, that they would be in me the same way you are in me. Do you know what Jesus prays for us, the most important thing? And do you know what the point of prayer is? One word, connection with the Father. Jesus prays and he says, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing for my life? What do you see as the most important thing? Is it healing? No. Is it breakthrough? No. Is it blessing? No. No, the most important thing and the point of your prayer life is connection with me because if there's connection with me, everything else will follow. And what he says is, he doesn't, that's what I love about Scripture and that's what I love about Jesus. He demonstrates this because as I look at Jesus' life, I don't see him strive for one single thing. Do you know what I see in Jesus' life? The only way I can describe it, and the word is so simplistic and so basic and, and so mediocre in a sense, but I just see Jesus' life is sort of, it just seems to flow. It just seems to flow everywhere he goes. He never once prays for God to do anything. Why? Because Jesus is so connected to the Father and he is so surrendered to the Father's will that there is nothing that he needs to ask God to do because the connection never stops. All Jesus has to do is position himself into the situation and the will of the Father created by the connection, the will of the Father just flows. He says, water into wine, done. Lazarus, get up, done. Sick woman, heal, done. And I'm so challenged by this thought that this is an invitation for us to live that type of life where every challenge I face because of the connection I have to the Father, His will just flows through me. Amen. The point point of prayer is connection to the Father because the times when we do see Jesus actually praying, this is what he is doing. It always says that Jesus went away to a solitary place to pray. He went away to the mountainside to pray. He took two, three disciples with him to pray and I see that his prayer life was not contingent upon circumstances that he was surrounded by, but it was contingent upon a desire that he had within his heart to remain connected 
to the source. And if he can remain connected to the source, the power will always flow. I was thinking when I was, I was at home and, and I was getting ready to go to church and I was, I was thinking of this, this thought that I'm sharing with you. And then as I was getting in my car, I looked over and, and I saw my, actually saw my garden hose there in the corner of my garden. And, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me in this, he said, it's much like a garden hose. And so I grabbed, I grabbed my, you know, my garden hose. And, and I was thinking to myself, how often I think we as believers, if we look at our life and we look at our prayer life, honestly, I think more often than not, we can find ourselves praying in a way that it's almost like we're trying to water the yard with a hose that's not connected to a tap. And it's interesting because it looks effective. And, and everything about it has the potential to do something. Everything about it has the potential. Can, can the hose flow? Yes, of course. Can the hose water the garden? Yes, of course. Is it designed to? Yes, of course. Is it positioned correctly to do it? Yes, of course. But there's one thing missing. This whole thing is pointless if it's not connected. And if I have a prayer life that is passionate, if I have a prayer life that is committed, if I had a prayer life that is consistent, if I have a prayer life that says all the right things, but is not connected to the source, then I affect no change and nothing happens. And sometimes I think we live this life too often, but we don't catch the point of what the Holy Spirit is trying to help us see. And it's all through His Word. He says, you are the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, you gotta, he says, if you would just stay connected, this thing is so much simpler than what we make it. And we're over here trying to figure out if I do this and if I say it this way and if I preach it that way and if I do it that way and if I make sure that everything's lined up and I get positioned and I get to church and I get to the prayer meeting and I pray loud enough and I cry and I anoint with oil and I run around and I swing from the roof, something will happen. But guess what? I'm finding church, I'm finding that we're learning day after day, Sunday after Sunday, generation after generation and things are not happening and not changing. And do you know why? It's not because we're not passionate. It's not because we're not showing up to church. It's not because we're not preaching great sermons. I'm getting to a stage in my life where I'm sick to death of great sermons. Because if it doesn't carry power, 
And if it doesn't produce a connection to the source, and if I don't encounter the presence of Almighty God, I don't care about your sermon title and your points and your story and your entertainment and your cool outfit. I need an encounter with God and it will not come through a man that is not connected. I'm the vine, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Quit trying to be a, quit trying to be a vine. Quit trying to do it in your own strength. If we would just know what it is to get connected, to get into His presence, to humble ourselves. David says this, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and pure. Clean hands and a pure heart. Do you know what the interpretation for that clean hands is? The clean hands, it means empty hands. Hands that are not holding on to anything. Hands that are saying, God, I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm done trying to impress people. I'm done trying to be religious. I'm done holding on to the hurt. I'm done holding on to my dreams. I'm done holding on to my desires. I'm done holding on to my insecurities. God, here are these hands. And they're empty. This is where problems and challenges in your life can be an incredible blessing. Because we are so stubborn in nature and sometimes it takes for us to walk through hell itself to actually remind us that we have to come to Him with empty hands and say, God, here I am, I can't do it anymore. And He says, He says, empty hands. And then He says, empty hands and a pure heart. I was challenged with the thought of a pure heart because I'm so mindful of how much just gunk gets in my heart. And I remember praying, saying, Lord, how do I have a pure heart? I feel like there's so much stuff in here that's not of you. And then I read it and I looked at what that word pure actually meant. And do you know what the word pure means? It actually means to be sincere and to be real. And you know, I felt, I felt a weight lift off me because I felt the Holy Spirit say, Ben, I'm not asking for you to come to me with a perfect heart because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm asking you to just come with me, to me with a heart that is real. It says, God, I've got some crap in my life and I want you to have it. I want you to take it. I want you to because I want to connect to you. And I don't want to put the results that I want from prayer ahead of the connection 
that I need from you. Because that's what we do. We deem the point of prayer as being results. And we wonder why there is no depth in our life and in the church today. And why people bounce and leave church and walk away from God because life gets hard. Because you have established the point of prayer as being results you see. But I wanna challenge that theology. What happens if you pray and it doesn't change? Because remember, it's not about my ways. My ways would get something done. My ways want results. But His way says, trust me, because some things you pray for, you're not gonna see until the other side of eternity. And the challenge for us this morning and I didn't have points I wanted so, I tried so hard to come up with three points. But I'm so sick of coming up with points and catchy phrases that rhyme and things that you can tweet and post because it sounds good but I would rather you leave here with a revelation than something to post. And I would rather leave, I'd rather you leave here, walking out of here, desperate to just get to a quiet room in your house to shut the door because you wanna just take a few moments and connect to the Father and say, God, I just want more of you. I don't care if you don't do a single thing in my life from this moment on, because I'm not here to just get results and see things change. I'm here to connect with you and have relationship with you. And what you do with that is up to you. And right across this room, I want all of us to stand to our feet. There's people in this room, this is how I wanna give you an opportunity to respond, simply by asking you this, are you connected? I'm not even asking if you're saved, I'm not even asking if you go to church, I'm not even asking all of these things, I'm just asking you this one question. I don't care if you come here every week, I don't care if you're on staff, I don't care if you're a leader, I don't care if you're an usher, I don't care, I'm asking you this one thing because all of that other does not matter. I'm asking you this one thing. Are you connected? Because of God's honest truth, I've preached sermons before in big churches and not been connected. And I've had to repent for doing things in my own strength and my own gifting and my own ability because it can be so easy for us to disconnect from the source and walk around pretending like we're doing something because you know what this is right here? When this is disconnected from the source, this is religion at its finest. Because it is the form 
of godliness, but denying His power. And I'm afraid that we're growing churches that look like this. And we just get greater hoses and newer attachments. But the garden's dying because we're not connected. And here in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you again that question, are you connected? I don't want you to worry about what people beside you think. I don't want you to worry about how many people see you here day in and day out. I don't want you to worry about what everybody else thinks because you are missing out on a life of absolute true fulfillment if you are not connected to the source. And what I wanna do for these next few moments, I'm gonna invite our worship team to begin to sing whatever they, whatever they feel on their heart. And I'm gonna actually ask you to do whatever you feel like you need to do. Maybe it's raise your hands. Maybe it's come down the front. Maybe it's stand in an aisle. Maybe it's to get on your knees. Whatever you've got to do right now, I'm not going to limit it to a form. But I'm going to just going to tell you as this band begin to sing and begin to lead us in worship, do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Because if you're not connected, now's a great time to say, God, I'm coming to you again with clean hands and, and a sincere heart saying, God, I want to just connect with you again. So come on, let's worship Him and let's connect again to the source that is our strength, that is our provider, that is the only flow that will fulfill. Come on, 